Okay, everybody, welcome back to Talk of the Now podcast. And today we're going to go back to some sports talk. And I've got Jared back on the line with us again today and on video. Jared, how are you doing? Oh, fantastic, Gene. Thank and you I for see asking. You, I see you've got the Atlanta Hawks uh, shirt going. Last year wasn't as good as it, we'd hoped it'd be, but it was better than anybody expected for the Hawks, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – I mean, I think they – I mean, when, the, when it came to the playoffs – they certainly stepped it up. I mean, I didn't expect no much more than them just making the playoffs. And then they got fifth seed, which was probably higher than I thought they would get. And then, yeah. And then they went uh, to the Eastern conference finals. It's only the second time in team history. Uh, so low bar to clear to have, you know, the probably the best season, at least when you talk about playoffs, probably the best that the Hawks have ever had in their 50 years in Atlanta. Uh, which is, like I said, low bar since they've been very bad most most of that 50 years or, you know, mediocre at best. But right. but they're on the right trajectory. we got a few – I think uh, their uh, training camp starts in a couple weeks. So uh, that, that'll maybe be the next – maybe the next episode we'll, we can we can talk about the Hawks. Oh, maybe so, yeah. I was um, – I was as a casual basketball fan of the most, I – um. I mean, I just tend to tune in when I just feel like it or, or go into a, you know, sort of a, uh, a phase of liking watching basketball. That's kind of how I've always been. Um, when I was younger, I watched a lot more Hawks and I loved watching Dominic Wilkins as a kid. And um, I'm a little bit older than you, but I loved watching him as a kid. And I got really mad when, when they traded him off. And it was kind of like we were sort of like right there on the precipice of maybe even getting to a finals. And they just traded him off. And as many Hawks fans, I just got really – really ticked off about it for a long time and uh so after that it just sort of became more of a casual fan and as a georgia fan you know uga is not usually in the mix for uh march madness so i always just sort of watch it for the entertainment value but i will say this year for the hawks that was one of the more of all the a lot of times i mean i'll, I'll admit that i'd usually just tune in if they make the playoffs but mm-hmm. of all the times i've seen them make the playoffs this was one of the more exciting ones i've seen for sure. A lot of close games. Uh, I went to a couple of them. Uh, I went in person to a couple games and, uh, it's a, I mean, it's fun. I like, I, I'm, uh, I only, there's only so much time in the day I spend usually my, most of my basketball in the fall and winter is I watch college basketball more because that's growing up what I was a bigger fan of, uh, so I'm kind of similar in that I don't really watch the Hawks much until the playoffs, if they make the playoffs at all, mm-hmm. which obviously they had a nice stretch there. And I, I think, oh, 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 eight to 2016, they made the playoffs, whatever, eight or nine years in a row, even though they never really got that far. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm mostly for the NBA. I, I, you know, I, I probably only watch maybe, a half dozen to 10 Hawks games at the most during the regular season, most years. And then, uh, you know, and then tune in in the playoffs. And this was definitely, this was definitely a fun one, but, uh, but I mean, I've always, I've always enjoyed college basketball a little bit more uh, maybe because as a, a kid who played basketball more than any other sport growing up, college basketball seemed slightly more attainable than, than the NBA. Like, Oh, maybe I could do that. Some of the, some of those guys, some of those guys in college are five eleven and don't look that athletic. Not that many of them anymore. But back when I was a kid, there were a few more guys like that. Whereas nobody in the NBA has ever 
there's <laughs> there's never really been a spot in the NBA for five eleven white guys. Uh, <laughs> so so you know, uh, that, Kevin that Nash was, is pretty was, good, right? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve well, Nash, that's true. Me. Steve Nash. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, that's true. That, but he was by the time Steve Nash came around, I was kind of already too old to actually think I could you know, to actually think I would play in the NBA or basketball at all <laughs> at that point uh, yeah. in any major way. But I'm a but little yeah, surprised. So, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to yeah. say, um, I have, um, I've liked watching, uh, I don't know, the NBA progress over the years just because one of the, um, not to get into the NBA too much, but just you mentioned that it's, it's interesting to see um, international players playing in the oh, NBA yeah. for such a long time basketball was just such an American sport. And then it got so popular in Europe and places like Africa and South America. It is, it is pretty incredible that, that, that it's become so international. And I think a lot of people credit the dream team for that. Uh, the, you know, people all over the world watching the 92 Olympics. Um, and that, I mean, that's probably part of it. And the NBA is just to their credit, does an incredible job of uh of marketing their athletes probably better than any other sport mm. uh, or any other league and i think that's a big part of it as well and it and you're right i mean the last two uh the last two mvps of the nba have been have been from overseas um Doncic, luka Doncic is slovenian he won it uh 2019 um and then the uh, the Nuggets guy whose name I'm uh, I'm losing right now uh, won uh, 2020. So so yeah, it's definitely and it's and it's fun. It, it's definitely creates more uh, more variety uh, in the game. So I've I actually have I, I find that interesting as well, and it's it makes the game more enjoyable. Well, you know, speaking of um, guys that aren't very big in the NBA physically, um, Trey Young. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he's probably considered maybe a sub superstar. He's not at the like Kevin Durant, right? You no know, level, kind of tier, second tier. Do you think right he'll ever now. get to that level? It's, I mean, it, it's possible. Uh, the the thing with Trey, from my perspective, not an expert necessarily. Yeah. De- defensively, probably never going to be an elite defender because of his size. It's hard. I mean, he's always guarding somebody that's bigger than him, uh, stronger and taller usually. Um, but I mean, offensively, he's kind of there already. I mean, he, he's, he's an elite offensive player already, probably top, you know, 10 Mm. to 15 at worst, uh, offensive player. He Um, reminds me of who was the guy that played for golden state. I guess he still does. A little bit, the Steph Curry. Yeah, reminds me a yeah. little bit of Steph. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's kind of what they were going for. the 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 front office at the time they drafted him didn't really. They had Travis Schlenk. Uh, this is deep in the weeds, I guess. Now, well, mm. we've gone there. So, <laughs> uh, Travis Schlenk is the Hawks GM. He came from Golden State. Uh, he was, you know, their assistant GM, I think, before. Ah. Um, and he, they didn't. He, you know, he he made it known before they drafted Trey that that they liked Trey a lot. Uh, and for some of those reasons, uh, now that Trey is a little, there are some differences because Trey is not as good of a shooter as Steph because nobody in the history of basketball ever <laughs> has been, or maybe ever will be. Mm. Um, 
but uh and trey is actually probably a little better passer than steph so that's kind of a there's kind of a little trade-off there the shooting's not quite at that level uh but he he does see the floor maybe even a little better and he's not as big you know steph's like six three six four and i think trey is like six one uh so steph probably can defend probably has a little higher ceiling as a defender yeah um but yeah that's definitely what they were going for and it's worked out better than anybody uh probably thought up to this point and mm-hmm. uh so we'll see that's going to be interesting they have a lot of young pieces on that hawks team so that'll be uh that'll be fun to keep an eye on uh for sure i don't think we'll ever know this forward. is a semi-different subject the basketball but just something that came to mind i don't think they will know maybe like five years out of lebron after he's retired sort of where he is on the mount rushmore of basketball Right. But I, I sort of sometimes feel like a lot of people want him to edge over Jordan, but I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> it kind of depends on the generation you're you're in, I guess. People that are especially I'm kind of probably right in the middle, but people your age and older, you know, they're always going to you know, it's always going to be Jordan. Yeah. And then the the younger millennials, you know, it's going to be LeBron. They never really got to see Jordan play. Mhm. Um and I mean, I saw both, I guess I was, you know, I was about, I was 11 when Michael Jordan retired the second of, of his, of the three times. Uh, so, I mean, I remember watching and I personally, I always hated dynasty. So I actually didn't like Michael Jordan as a kid, but I knew he was better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty obvious. Um, and, you know, that's another thing where there's, there's very different players. So it's kind of dumb in some way. I mean, everybody has to have an opinion on one or the other apparently, but, but they are very different. I mean, uh, you know, Michael was much more of a, you know, shooter. Like he, he, he created the offense for himself mostly. And LeBron's much, you know, facilitates a lot more, as they say, he, he's a lot more of a, of kind of a passer of a lot of times although he can take over offensively as well. But yeah, it's some, one of those things where everybody has to have an opinion. Uh, but I've always, I've always kind of ridden the kind of ridden the fence, uh, you know, that, that it's so hard to compare between eras and, you know, and the fact that they play different positions Yeah, that, you know, we, you know, you can, you can just say they're both great. Uh, I don't know that everybody has to have an opinion that one's better than the other, but yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, that's sports talk. <laughs> I'm kind of in the minority and not having an opinion, a strong yeah. opinion there. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about, I guess, because, um, you know, like you look at, um, when, when I think about basketball, when I knew it and it's, I don't know if it was this peak back in the eighties, nineties, but I think about, you know, Jordan bird magic, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, I was trying to think of a, a maybe a Carl Malone even back in those days, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that um, people like Steph Curry and LeBron could easily, you know, challenge those guys if they were to, you know, go in a time machine and be able to play against them or whatever, you know. For sure, the game's so different now. It would be interesting. I mean, you know, that's another thing people talk about, mm. but that's obviously an unanswerable question. But yeah, you know, the it's game's just, very yeah. different. If if you drop Steph Curry in a game in 1991, they would think, and the first time he took a shot from 10 feet behind the three point line, <laughs> nobody would guard him. 
<laughs> once he hit three or four in a row, they would they they wouldn't have any idea what to do at that point. But uh-huh. you know, not that they. But you know, if he, you stuck him there for a whole season, you know, they would probably adjust to an extent. But but you know, that would be you know that would be it would be interesting. But I think people, a lot of people, are a little too quick to, you know, it's always there's always there's always that thing like kind of like I was saying earlier, like one generation is always going to say, oh, you know. It's never going to, you know, nobody's as good as the the, the 80s or the 90s. But Mm. in actuality, because just the because, you know, we're always the human human nature is to always keep perfecting these things. Really, now the way that players work out and, you know, all the training that they do, uh, specialized training, you know, it's probably kind of it's they probably are better. Now that doesn't mean that if you took a guy from the eighties and he one of you know Michael Jordan and he grew up in the late eighties and nineties instead of growing up in the seventies that he wouldn't be just as good now, but he'd be a different player because the way they play the game is different mm. uh, now. But uh, but yeah, I mean if you draw, it would be kind of unfair if you dropped these guys back in the past because they have the skill set to because they can shoot. They the shooting is so much better now on on a whole that I, you know, it would definitely, I think, I think people underestimate how, how good the players now would look if you dropped them back then. Not that the other players, if they grew up with the same kind of training, the players from the past, that they wouldn't be able to, to do the same thing, but it's just, Mm. you know, it's just different. They're just different eras. So. Yeah. I guess Uh, that can kind of account for most modern sports, huh? Football, baseball, basketball, maybe even hockey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you look at baseball, you know, if you put, now every baseball team has four or five guys that throw 97, 98 miles per hour. But like back when yeah. we were kids, that was like three or four guys in the whole league, you know, yeah. could throw that hard. It was like Nolan Ryan uh, and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Nolan. Yeah. It was Nolan Ryan and, you know, J.R. Richard in the eighties. Uh-huh. And then in the nineties, it was, you know, Randy Johnson oh, could throw that hard. Uh, but there was always just a couple guys. And now it's like, you know, every team there's guys there's guys on the bullpen that have like a five ERA, but they throw ninety seven miles per hour. Man, watching uh, watching sports back in the nineties, I just remember if Randy Johnson, you probably were the same way. If if you were watching random sports, just channel surfing, and you saw that Randy Johnson was pitching, you're like, all right, I'm just going to watch this for the next hour, <laughs> just because yeah, it was so sure. incredible to watch a six foot ten guy throw a, ba- a baseball. Yeah, no, he yeah he was one of the it was definitely one of the more unique guys uh, from when I, from when I was growing up, Randy Johnson. Uh, the one thing I remember about Randy Johnson is that Chipper Jones always hit him really well as a Braves fan. Did he really? I never that noticed. That was always uh, something that, but none of the other Braves hit him well. So he still usually, <laughs> <laughs> they still usually, uh, it was still usually a really low scoring game, but, uh, uh, yeah. and they, you know, the, the, when he was with the Diamondbacks, mostly obviously when he was with the Mariners, the Braves never really faced him, but, when he had those three or four really good years with Arizona, yeah, it was never somebody that well, if you were rooting for the other team, it's not somebody you wanted to see on the mound, but yeah. it was, it was a different, I mean, it, it, there was something very unique about watching him because he was, like you said, he was so tall yeah, and, uh, and very intimidating just to look at with the mullet and the mustache. <laughs> uh, and yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely one of the, definitely one of the, definitely a character, it seemed like it seemed actually when if you see an interview or what he seems like a pretty normal guy, but 
you would have thought he was, you know, the meanest guy out there just looking at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the size was, was crazy. There's, you don't see that very often, the six ten, six eleven guys. But, uh, so that definitely was, a, was a big part of the mystique, but yeah, he was, yeah. he was great elite. Well, no kid with the, especially with the wingspan, when he gets his arm and he's like coming down the angle with the baseball, I mean, I don't know what that does to your peripheral. I mean, just thinking back when I used to sit in the batter's box, I mean, I can't imagine what that does to your peripheral vision when you're trying to track the ball coming out of his hand toward the batter's box, you know, if how that angles into your line of sight. I mean, it depends on the person, but still, right. could have been easy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how a left-handed hitter would ever get a hit off of him. He's throwing it from the way he's through kind of that three quarters angle. He's throwing it from behind your head, basically yeah. uh, coming across, you know, coming across the plate away from you. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, and you know, they didn't hit him that, that often is, was the, is really the answer, but uh, yeah, but yeah, you wonder, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it was never, it was never a surprise that, that he was, you know, if you were watching a Randy Johnson game and he had, had thrown seven shutout innings with, 12 or 13 strikeouts you were never surprised it was just kind of well that's you know that's today you know he's got it today day at the office uh, yeah <laughs> what are you gonna do well um i guess that's a, i didn't mean to talk about basketball for like 20 minutes but um good transition into uh, well, we'll, we talk, we'll talk about baseball last because that's about to get into the playoffs but mm. uh recap a little bit of uh let's start with um college football Mm-hmm. We had a few surprises for the opening games in the second week. Uh, what, what what did you think? What was your what was your impression so far? To me, uh, college football biggest surprise so far is that uh, Clemson kind of looks like they stink. <laughs> I don't think they actually stink. Uh, the, what their offense does right now, for sure. Uh, I know Georgia's defense is great, so the fact that they only scored three points on Georgia, okay, give them that. But then only scoring 14 points at home against Georgia tech. That's kind of a big uh, red flag. Uh, Georgia tech's not exactly a, a powerhouse mm. these days. You know, it's not, this isn't a, this isn't 1998 or whatever. Joe Hamilton's not playing quarterback. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if you really want, you know, only beating Georgia tech, Georgia tech by six points is a, is definitely a red flag. So I think Clemson on the negative side and Ohio state, uh, have have both not looked very good. Mm. Uh, and I, I think when we talked last time, I was saying, well, you know, it'll be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and somebody. Uh, that'll be your final four, just like it is every year. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Alabama still, yes. Although Florida gave them a better game than I would have thought, uh, sure. especially once Alabama got up 21-3, to I think. I thought that game was over. But uh, but I'm not surprised Florida's good. Uh I don't think that really, I think that more, um, I think that more increased my opinion of Florida as opposed to, to decreasing my opinion of Alabama. I think Alabama is still the best team in the country, but yeah, I would have said, I probably would have said, you know, Ohio state two, Clemson three coming into the season, but I don't know if either of those teams are even, you know, in the top eight or 10 right now. Uh, I'm looking at the, looking at the top 25, um, Ohio State's number 10, actually, right now. Right. Well, yeah, I, in the polls, yeah, that's not surprising. I guess, mm. I, in my opinion, I'm not sure oh, they yeah. are. But, yes, uh, yeah, that's around – I believe you're – I think Clemson's around that – around there as well in the, in the uh, back half of the top 10. Yeah, that Florida but, game uh, was definitely um, 
that was much more turned out to be way more interesting than I thought it would be. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so, I mean, right now, Alabama's still one, Georgia's two. I think that's understandable. Uh, you know, Georgia's offense has unanswered questions as well because they didn't exactly light up Clemson. Uh, and then, the, you know, they've played, they've, you know, they've played mostly cupcakes since, I mean, you know, South Carolina, mm-hmm. I don't think is that good this year. So I'm not sure that game, you know, holds a, a whole lot of water, but we'll see. Uh, I think Georgia has Arkansas coming up in a couple weeks. That'll be interesting. Mm. Arkansas is one of the surprise teams so far, uh, as far as how good they've looked the last couple weeks, first week, they almost lost to, or they were losing at halftime to rice, I think. Uh, but they've, they've looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. So, so we'll see, but yeah, I mean, I think Georgia, I think I would have Georgia number two, even though they have a lot more questions to answer than, than Alabama does, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, Florida state Notre Dame game. <laughs> I, I, I imagine some Florida state fans were thinking, so you're saying there's a chance after that. Game, oh, I know. But, they, know. Yeah. It was a fun game to watch though. That was the best game of the first weekend. And then, which it feels like this happens with Notre Dame a lot. Although they have had a couple Brian Kelly teams where they were legitimately good. They, you know, they just can't quite get to that Clemson-Alabama level, so they, they lose when they make it to the playoffs. But um, there have been a couple of times in the last 10 years where Notre Dame's in some epic game with, with one of the other – with a power team of Michigan or Texas or somebody, and then it's like, oh, these teams are both good again. And then it turns out that actually, you know, they're both just mediocre, but they're the same level of mediocre. So they played a really great game early in the season. Uh, and I, yeah. you know, that might be more what we're looking at as far as Notre Dame has not, obviously Florida state has gone on uh, to lose their next two games after that. And really, you know, kind of put a damper on that on, you know, how good that game seemed to have been, but uh, Notre Dame hasn't exactly covered themselves in glory either, even though they haven't lost. They, they beat Toledo mm-hmm. by two, I think. Uh, and then they beat Purdue last week by, you know, 10 or 14. Purdue's not that good this year, uh, I don't think. So, So yeah, a lot of questions for, you know, obviously Florida State, bad. We can probably say that at this point. Notre Dame, <laughs> you know, the fact that they beat Florida State no longer really means much, except that, it, you know, it was a fun game to watch in the, in the moment. Yeah, uh, but they still have all their their toughest games ahead of them. They play Wisconsin uh, Saturday, uh, so that'll be that should be a good game. And then they play Cincinnati, who's ranked in the top ten the next week. So, so we'll, always, know, yeah. we'll know more about Notre Dame in a couple weeks. I always give Florida State E for effort when it comes to their fan base because <laughs> I mean they are always out there like they're about they act like they're in the playoffs for every game. I mean they're pretty exciting fan base there. Yeah, I think they thought. I think they really thought they had something there after that. After that game, but uh, and then the way they lost that second game to Jacksonville State. Obviously, I didn't actually watch any of that game, but the way they lost on that hail mary, which wasn't even really a hail mary because it was the guy caught it at like the thirty yard line, mm-hmm. and still and 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 then ran in the rest of the way. Uh, you know, that's you know, that's not a that's not the way to follow that up. Well, I see your uh, I see Michigan inching up a little bit Jer- there, Jared. There, you know. No, there. <laughs> there's a lot of articles being written about about uh about Michigan and how good they've looked this year. And then if you look in the comments, it's all Michigan fans that are like, you know, don't stop giving us false hope. It's like nobody <laughs> nobody wants nobody wants to believe yet. 
Uh, they've looked better. They've looked better than yeah. They, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on me, etc. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but uh, they've looked better than I thought they would. You know, Washington. You know, that it's another thing. You know, kind of like I was saying with Notre Dame, except Michigan's actually blown out the the teams that they've beaten so far. But you know, none of those teams are especially good. Washington, people thought was going to be good, but they had the week before Michigan beat them, they had lost to Montana. <laughs> uh, so who knows um i don't know if any of those teams are actually good but it's all i'd always you know i'd rather beat the i'd rather beat the terrible teams by i think michigan's won by an average of like 40 points a game i'd rather do that than win by you know by two or ten or whatever like notre dame has the last couple of weeks so so uh so yeah i mean you know i think they're probably better than people expected but they still, once again, they have all their all their toughest games are are still ahead of them. And then the fact that Ohio State hasn't looked good is really just making Michigan fans more nervous. That you mm. know, of course, by the time we play them, I'm sure they'll have it figured out. But yeah, but uh, you know, that's that's just brought on more articles like, oh, look how bad Ohio State's looked, and look how good Michigan's looked. But uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we <laughs> when we get to it. Right. Just uh, a reminder. But I've that, I've been yeah. happy. I've been happy. Uh, with the results so far for whatever it's worth. And Jared is our Michigan, um, a resident yeah, Michigan fan the here. Correspondent the, for the Georgia, <laughs> the yeah. Georgia resident fan here, correspondent for Ann Arbor. Oh man. And, and of course, you know, it, it's funny to me because looking at the top 25 and we'll move on to the uh, NFL in a second, you always see it like, um, Oregon. I'm just going to name off a few that I see. It, it, it's almost hard to assess this time of year. Cause you see Oregon, Penn state, Ohio State, the Notre Dames, you know, maybe even the Iowa teams. It's like you can't ever really get a good grasp of what they are until you get like toward the end of the year, it seems, because yeah. of who they face and so forth. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who don't it, – it doesn't matter anymore because the polls aren't part of the selection process for the playoffs. But back when the polls were part of the BCS, there were people who thought there shouldn't be preseason polls because – uh, you know, you have these teams that get ranked really high and then they beat, they beat all the cupcakes on their schedule, but, you know, really, you know, has now Alabama, they have actually played a couple, especially one, especially tough game and Georgia as well, probably with Clemson, like I said, Clemson has a lot of questions, but, but, you know, there are some teams that are still ranked, you know, way up high, like Oklahoma who haven't really looked that good and they haven't really beaten anybody that impressive yet. Whereas, you know, you have, you have Oregon who beat Ohio state already, um, you know, which is, and then you have um, Penn state, which Penn state actually has already beaten, you know, Wisconsin um, and, uh, and Auburn on Saturday. Probably they probably, those are probably the best, the best two wins that anybody has. Uh, so really, if you're saying who's look, who's who has the best resume so far, you know, probably, you know, Al, you know, Penn state's probably up, should probably be up there, you know, two or three somewhere up there. Mm-hmm. But if you start further back in the rankings, it's harder to, you know, it's harder to move up until like you said, you get later in the season. Uh, so, the, you know, the polls are just kind of a fun thing. And some people are like, still say there shouldn't be preseason polls, but I'm, my opinion is it doesn't matter since they, you know, they're not used as part of the selection process for the playoffs. 
mm-hmm. you know, let them, let them have their polls. It's, it's nice. You know, people like to see the number next to their team, you know, on the, on the scoreboard or, or when they're talking about the game on college game day or whatever, you know, and no, well, and not really any reason to take that away from people, but the rankings, you're right. The rankings are pretty, pretty useless at this point uh, for the most part. I guess it's the beauty contest part of it in some ways. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's always makes it more fun for me. Like I said, just as a casual fan looking at things, okay, I can look at rankings to see what game might be interesting this weekend yes. to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that for sure. Because like looking at, I just looked at Penn State's um, schedule. And they've got three interesting games if the season continues the way it is. Maybe four. They've got um, they're playing Iowa on mm-hmm. October 9th. They got um, Ohio State on um, October thirtieth, and uh, Michigan on um november 13th and michigan state on the 27th so things could be interesting yeah Yeah, those of yeah i mean penn state you know they've probably looked the best of anybody in the big 10 this year so that'll that'll be interesting that they've that fan base is not they've only they've won one big 10 championship in the last you know 10 or 12 years but they haven't been to a playoff yet that'd be interesting they they probably probably the slight favorite in the big 10 if you if you think the first few weeks of Ohio State are are uh, are descriptive of that of the way that team's going to be, then Penn State would probably be smart money mm-hmm. uh, as far as winning the Big Ten, uh, especially because they get I know they get uh, they get Michigan at home. You know that game is in State College, so mm-hmm. you know that's that's uh, so that's good for them. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's probably that's a, definitely a team that's uh, surprised a little bit, I think, uh, this year. So we'll see. Like you said, they still have a lot of tough games in front yeah. of them. Well, uh, moving on to the NFL, I don't even want to because as a um, teetering <laughs> Falcons fan, yikes! There are years where I just, where I almost decide not to be a Falcons fan anymore. <laughs> uh, this would be a good year to sit out if oh, you want, word. you know, if, if it's, if it's uh, something you're, you're inclined to do. <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, it's, it's been kind of an interesting, um, I mean, I do sit down and sort of watch NFL. Sometimes I get more into it than other times, but um, mm-hmm. they, they had some, there's some interesting things going on, I guess right now. Um, uh, Green Bay is not looking as good as I guess a lot of people thought they might. For sure. I mean, they got absolutely stomped on uh, by New Orleans the first week. Uh, and then, you know, Monday night they beat the Lions, but that's right of passage. <laughs> uh, so if you, if you lose, the, if they lost to the Lions, that really would have been time to sound the alarm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, you know, then there's a lot of drama with Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, people said he was demanding a trade at one point in the offseason. Then he said he never did that. Uh, then he, he had an inter- I didn't watch the interview. He, I think he did an interview with Aaron Andrews, which I only saw snippets of, but the clip that they put on the, you know, in the preview for the interview made it sound like he was you know pretty upset still with the, the front office, uh, in green Bay. They haven't, they haven't been draft. They haven't been drafting that many offensive players lately. And they, but except that they drafted a quarterback, which I don't think he liked very much a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think uh, that's definitely if you like if you like drama, uh, Green Bay is definitely a place that people are looking right now to see to see what uh, what the next big story is going to be. If, if Aaron Rodgers is actually 
happy with that situation or if he's just going to retire and go off with his his hollywood uh fiance <laughs> that he that he picked up during uh during the covid new, covid new in, year <laughs> new insurance commercials you know whatever yeah exactly <laughs> i um it, it's interesting to me to watch um i mean I, I, obviously until he and obviously till Tom Brady decides to retire, that's pretty much going to be your front page story for the NFL, I guess, because everybody just how long, how much longer will Tom Brady go? You know? Yeah. I mean, with, uh, with Drew Brees now retired, Ben Roethlisberger on the back end, you know, definitely lost a step or two or three the last few years. Matt Ryan kind of in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also the, obviously Matt Ryan has no, help around him at all um brady and rogers a lot i mean you know in my opinion those are the the two best quarterbacks of the 21st century uh i don't really think it's that close peyton obviously well peyton's close so that's not fair but as the guys that are still playing they've had the two best careers by far Mm -hmm. so you're right about that i mean there's there's nobody right now like now that Breeze is retired, Pey- Peyton and Breeze have retired. You know, there's nobody else currently playing that's on the level of those two guys. Uh, right. Obviously, Mahomes is on his way, probably, to to being one of those guys that we talk about in the future. But but uh, you know, at this point, he's still only five years into his career or whatever. So I don't know why Tampa Bay reminds me so much right now. I guess because of like you said, Peyton Manning, like. They remind me of what the Broncos were doing at the end of Peyton's career <laughs> when he came back and won two Super Bowls, you know? Yeah. Well, the, you know, they are probably better defensively than people think because, you know, they think they have Tom Brady and that's why they're so good. And Tom Brady, to his credit, is – I mean, he's 44 years old and he's – you know, he doesn't – he and he looks like – I mean, you're talking about Peyton Manning, especially – and Peyton Manning's – Last year in Denver, I mean, he was pretty bad, which was his last year period, which is the year, but the year they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he, at one point, you know, he got hurt and then he got, he, he kind of got replaced and he was the second on the depth chart for a little while to Brock Osweiler, who's not exactly a household name. That's right. Uh, He ended up coming, he ended up, and because Brock Osweiler was not good, they ended up going with Peyton but he was really just a game manager for that team. As they say, uh, that season, their defense was so good. And, uh, Tampa last year, their defense was also, especially their defensive line is probably really the bigger reason they won last year than Brady. Although Brady, you know, is still a top four or five guy probably. Um, and, and, but you're right in, in that way that, probably because Brady is their quarterback, the defense doesn't get enough credit. And I think up until those last, that play, the really the playoffs or that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl, the, you know, people kind of didn't realize how good the Broncos defense was. Uh, And then basically won them the Super Bowl because Peyton was, you know, kind of falling apart at the seams by the end of that season. I'm trying to remember. Did they win? The, did he win the Super Bowl? Or did they win the Super Bowl? His last two seasons, or was it just that last season? They won his last season. They okay. made it to the Super Bowl two years prior. They had made it and lost to the Seahawks. Okay. Um, and that, but that 
like that this, that team Peyton was really good that year I think he I think he set the touchdown record that season he broke Brady's touchdown record from the, the 16 and 0 team uh but then they got beat very soundly in the Super Bowl by the Seahawks uh hmm. that year so he went to two Super Bowls with the the Broncos but he only he only won the one uh which wow. was his last I mean literally his last game of his career uh similar to what Elway did uh with the Broncos oh man uh, back in the 90s sometimes I'm like Falcons could y'all do something like that I don't know <laughs> I just I look at yeah. the Falcons and I'm like oh my word I didn't know what an answer I, might pretend to be <laughs> they need a lot I haven't uh, I didn't watch much of their first game mm-hmm. uh but the uh, they they showed a little bit of fight against the Bucks to their credit. Yeah, they could have really really gotten blown out in that game, and they kind of made it interesting a little bit in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, there's a lot they need a they need a lot of help. I think I saw I saw somebody uh, say that Matt Ryan on a on his passing plays only has an average of two seconds to get rid of the ball before he's pressured. So I think the offensive line is maybe. Uh, maybe the big issue at least offensively uh seems to be the big issue for the for the falcons and i know their yeah. offensive line is very young mm-hmm. uh, i think i think three of the five starters they've drafted at least three of their five starters they've drafted in the last two drafts so hopefully those guys are getting better i guess uh but right now that seems to be a, a big struggle we can only hope uh, for the falcons <laughs> yeah i mean you know this year i think for the Falcons, you're just hoping that you're hoping that you see something probably out of the new coach, you know, you know, good game plans or adjustments. So you think you got the right guy, but the talent, the talent's not there uh, this season. So, you know, that's, you really are just going to hope to see glimpses probably if you're a Falcons fan this season. Well, yeah, I, I can see that. Maybe I'll just adopt the uh, Buffalo Bills as a favorite team to watch. I don't know. <laughs> we'll the, see. They're fun. They are a fun team. I, I enjoy watching the uh, this Bills team. The uh, um for sure. Well, let's round it out real quick here with baseball. Um, so we don't. Uh, let's see. I um, I again, I haven't been watching the Braves nearly as much as I have, but I will start watching them sooner as they get close to the playoffs and when it starts. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at a chart from MLB.com, mm-hmm. and it looks like the wild card is going to be St. Louis and L.A. and um, the um, Blue Jays of Boston. Is that what you got? Yeah. So uh, the last time we talked, we were probably talking about. We're, I mean, the loser, the second place team in the NLS is going to be is going to host the wild card game because those mm-hmm. are the two best teams in the National League: the Giants and the Dodgers one of them is going to be in that one game playoff that they're going to have about a, about a 20 game better record than the team they're playing. Uh, but they'll have, you know, anything can happen in one game. So that'll be something for, for those fans to be nervous about after they win 104 games or whatever they're going to end up winning. Um, yeah. But yeah, we probably would have been talking about the Reds and the Padres for that second wild card spot at the time, maybe the Phillies. But uh, I believe the Cardinals have won 11 games in a row. Dang. Uh, and so they've now got a, a little bit of a stranglehold on that spot. Um, so, yeah, it'll be right now, it would be the Dodgers. But I, th- I think the Dodgers are only a game back of the Giants. So it could still possibly be the Giants in that game. 
Mm. Uh, but it'll be one of those two teams and, and yeah, probably the, the Cardinals, which has kind of come out of nowhere in the last week and a half uh, to, to really almost cement that spot. The Padres have been very bad lately. And so they're pretty much out of it at this point. The Reds might have a slight chance still um, probably, but they, I don't know if they have any games left against the Cardinals. That would probably be about their only shot of catching the Cardinals at this point is actually being able to play them. Um, so yeah, you're right. Uh, and then American league. Yeah. You got the three, the three AL East teams behind the Rays. It's going to be probably two of those teams. So, uh, blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, two of those three, uh, are probably going to be in that AL wild card game. I didn't realize uh, the Yankees were, um, trying to squeeze in there. Yeah. I mean, they're a little, they're a couple games back of the, of the other two teams, I think, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's probably going to be two of those three, uh, which will be, that's, which I think that's an interest that, I mean, if it's obviously, if it ended up being Red Sox Yankees, then that's a, that's a huge boon for whichever network is broadcasting that game this year. (laughs) Uh, but the Blue Jays are fun. The Blue Jays are a fun team. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with their roster, but they've got a, they've got the, they've got the, the sons of, of three guys that I'm sure you remember well. They're Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the Blue Jays' oh. best player. Huh. Uh, leading the American League in home runs. And I think batting average as well. And then uh, um, Bo Bichette, uh, Dante Bichette was his dad, is his dad. Uh, oh, wow. All-star outfielder for the Rockies in the 90s. Bo Bichette, okay. Uh, and then Kevin Biggio. Was is also on that team, uh, Craig Biggio's son. Really? Yeah. Damn, so they got three. They got they got three. Uh, three guys, three sons of all stars, that are uh, three of their better players. Kevin Biggio's been hurt. I'm not sure if he's back right now, but uh, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is. Hmm. Uh, if it weren't for Shohei Otani in uh, in Los Angeles for the Angels you know, having, you know, being one of the top, you know, eight or 10 pitchers in addition to being the second best hitter in the American <laughs> league, which is cemented probably him as the MVP Guerrero jr. Vladimir Guerrero jr. Is probably going to finish second in the American league MVP voting by a pretty wide margin. Uh, Cause he's wow. a couple RBIs away from winning the triple crown. I think he's second in RBIs and first in average in home runs right now. Dang. That's impressive. So, uh, yeah, and he's only, you know, he's probably, you know, he's a, he's only, you know, 22 or 23 years old. So to age uh, myself, I can remember when his dad, Vladimir Guerrero was like, was 21, right? Yeah. And when he was like a rookie for, expo. Expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for an expo. And I remember watching him thinking that is a very big swing that guy has. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was probably one of my favorite non-Braves players, wow. uh, in the, you know, in the nineties, yeah. it helped that the expos after 94 were never really a threat so they were, you know they were kind of just like the cute little team in the corner like oh the expos <laughs> uh but he was he was fun to watch i mean he used to just he used to swing at everything yeah uh you know he'd hit balls that were uh i think there's a highlight you can find of him you know hitting a, a line drive single off a ball that bounces in the dirt before he hits it you know and but he always used to he used to be one of the best bad ball hitters as they used to say <laughs> You know, just swinging it, just swinging at stuff that wasn't even close to the plate, and, yeah, and hitting ropes all over the place. So, and he had one uh, of those um, very common, awesome sounding um, Latino um, 
first and last names. Right. Yeah. The the Vladimir is all is always you know it's kind of a random a random name. Yeah. Uh, I always to, like the name of, in there, but I always like the a, name Nomar Garcia Para. <laughs> yeah, Nomar is a cool name. I believe Nomar. I believe just comes. I believe his dad's name is Ramon, and Nomar is Ramon backwards. I believe that's where that name came from. No way. Oh, I yeah. just okay. Uh, I never knew but that. that is kind of a cool name, uh, for sure. Hiramo Tech guy, uh, no more. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot yeah. of cool Latino sounding names to me in, in baseball. Maybe it's because oh, I'm not yeah. used to Latino names or you know, um, South American names often, but yeah, I love baseball names. Those are you can all those. There's some guys that I, that you would I would always sometimes there are some guys that I would like just because they had a cool name, yeah, and then and they, yeah. you know, they'd end up kind of not being very good, but I'd and I'd be upset, but. Yeah, you know, I'd see some guy that was on one of the Braves minor league rosters, and I'd be like, "Man, that guy's name is so cool. I hope he's good." <laughs> and even the white guys still have some cool names, but yeah. Know. So I mean, I've always liked I've, uh, Dansby Swanson. I've always thought is like yeah. such a perfect baseball name. <laughs> Dansby. Uh, I mean, Chipper Braves. Chipper Jones. I mean, Chipper, Chipper is like well, the perfect yeah, baseball name. Sure. It's it's right up there with like some name from like the '40s, whereas you know, Hot Papa Brown or something like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I rabbit, love the nicknames. Rabbit Marinville. Yeah. yeah. Lefty. Uh, people named Lefty or um, yes. uh, Three Finger Brown. Oil Can Boyd. Like Oil yeah. Can Boyd. That was a great one. For yeah. sure. <laughs> we'll have to do a, maybe we'll do a segment when they were just talk about cool baseball names. We should. We should. We should draft our favorite baseball names. Yes. No, that, yeah. That would be a good one. Uh, uh, but I'm yeah. Sorry. So as, yeah. So going back to playoff preview. So yeah, those are gonna be your wild card games. Probably there's, it's basically like I said, NL either Dodgers or Giants against the Cardinals, and then two of those uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, and the AL. Showing my ignorance um, again. These are still yeah. uh, one game elimination. Threat. One game, yeah. Dang, so it's that's so bizarre. The, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like it, but yeah. I don't think it's going away. No, I mean you can't. Uh, the beat Braves the got bit by it the first year they did it in 2012. They lost the wild card game to the uh, Cardinals when the Braves that were, you know, had a four or five game better record, they would have won the wild card easily under the old, mm-hmm. you know, the old way that they did it. But, but there's no going back now. And with baseball, probably expanding to 32 teams sometime in the next 10 years. Oh, I haven't heard that. Okay. It's not, you know, they're not going to make fewer playoff teams, you know, when they add, whenever that comes to around, I have no inside information, but yeah, you know, it sounds like sometime in the next, five to eight years you're probably going to get you're probably going to go from 30 to 32 uh from maybe charlotte to teams. maybe charlotte or nashville will finally get that team yeah charlotte and nashville that uh, one of those two would be a good shot and then you know they really want to put another team back in montreal oh. uh, so which is kind of weird to me but i guess because hmm. you know they got the the fan support was so bad the last few years yeah i remember but the you know that stadium was a dump so i guess they think if they build a good stadium that they'll you know they'll get the people back out they will come yeah so (laughs) but yeah i think charlotte and nashville would be would be pretty high on that list as well portland and las vegas if they put a team in the west i think would be uh uh, would be places they would i forgot about vegas is Vegas not like the hot spot of where to put a new team these days? It kind of is right now, right? They got their hockey yeah. team of all things, and then they got uh, the Raiders. Oh. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you know they end up with all four sports sometime in the next, I don't know, 15 years. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, would not would not shock anybody. I don't think. Okay, well, well, let's end it here with the Braves a little bit. Um, yeah. The um, by the way, the um, the Sox looks like we've got Sox in Houston in it, and Tampa Bay, of course, again, and um, San Fran will be in it. But um, right, got, so White Sox, yeah, White Sox and Astros and Rays, pretty much all all but uh, wrapped up the three divisions in the American League, mm. and then the Brewers have pretty much wrapped up the Central Division. So and then the Giants right now and the Braves are looking pretty good for the East. So how I guess the question then will be how how will the Braves stack up against the Brewers because I have no idea. Uh the Braves will be pretty solid underdog in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh the Brewers have probably this I in my opinion talent-wise they probably have the second best rotation. I think I think the Giants have a lower team ERA than the Brewers, but some of the Giants guys I think are a little bit smoke and mirrors. They're kind of guys that have never really pitched this well before. But uh, but yeah, with the with the Brewers, um, with the Brewers, you know the top two, the top couple guys, uh, the top t- couple guys in their rotation, um, are pretty are pretty elite. So. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one. You know, you always probably in playoff baseball, uh, you're gonna kind of lean toward the the team with better starting pitching in pretty much any playoff series. And so, you know, that's if you know if you're asking me to if you would if you ask me to put any kind of any kind of money on that, you know, I would probably say the Brewers. You know, mm. but the Braves, but that doesn't mean that the Braves uh couldn't do it. Uh, it's just, uh, I think the odds would be stacked a little bit in the Brewers' favor just because uh, they do have the stronger starting pitching and probably they have a better bullpen, although the Braves' bullpen has been really good the last couple months. But yeah, as okay. far, if you want, if, if you go with past results, previous of, you know, previous to 2021, uh, you know, Josh Hader is the, the, the uh, closer for the Brewers, and he's uh, one of the best guys out there. They have Brad Boxberger, who used to be a closer for the Rays. So that you know, probably just through and through, just a better pitching staff mm. uh, than the than the than the Braves do the Brewers. So yeah, but uh, they're not some. At the same time, they're not some behemoth where you know where I would be absolutely stunned if the Braves if the Braves won that series but it would definitely take either the Braves hitters you know figuring something out about the top few guys in that Brewers rotation uh uh Corbin Burns Brandon Woodruff mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta are the names of those top three guys uh or it would take the you know Braves pitchers kind of pitching at their absolute highest level uh you know right now if the Braves were to set a playoff rotation, I assume they'd just go three guys. Uh, right now, it'd be, you know, Charlie Morton, Max Freed, Ian Anderson. Those are the top three guys. Um, they're, you know, the fourth and fifth spots are kind of, uh, kind of hit or miss right now. Uh, ah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and th- but those guys, all three of those guys are good enough where they could on any given day go head to head with with one of those brewers pitchers so you never know 
So you, what, you know, you yeah. say you, I like to say that the baseball playoffs are kind of a complete crapshoot. <laughs> although I don't really blame Braves fans for not realizing that when it's seemed to go against that the said crapshoot has goes gone against the Braves pretty consistently for the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it really is. It really has a chance to be pretty random. Yeah. So maybe this is the, the year the Braves can step up. You yeah, know, they're well, only going to win 86 or 87 games, but we've seen mm-hmm. some teams with that kind of record win the World Series in the last 10 or 12 years. So you never know. Yeah. So the, well, that's good analysis because I had no clue as to how good the Brewers were. But I think that um, from what I hear you say, though, it sounds like, sounds like the Braves are going to have to, the pitchers are going to have to be on their A game for sure. And the offense is going to have to find some magic for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they've, They've kind of, they kind of went into a lull early this week. You know, the the division lead got down to one game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves have now won four in a row, and I believe they're winning right now. They're playing the they're playing a businessman special right now in uh, Arizona. I believe they're winning. Uh, so they and the Phillies lost a couple in a row, so the lead's back up to three games mm. with uh, uh, ten games to go after today. So they're you know looking pretty good as far as making the playoffs, but. But yeah, they'll definitely have to find. They'll definitely have to find a little voodoo yeah. if they're going to actually do much besides just make the playoffs. And but I think the way they yeah. started the season out, and with their best player Ronald Acuna being hurt halfway into the year, mm-hmm. you kind of have to be happy with just making the playoffs this year. As much as that kind of hurts to say after the way they, you know, they came so close last year, and people were hoping they could get over the hump. And that's um, you know, but when you have a to me, that's a lot of times when you have a less than strong team. I mean, they're not less than strong, but when oftentimes past Braves teams, just looking back on my own memory, you need a guy. It's it's oftentimes not going to be, um, you know, as good of a season, for instance, as um, Riley's had this year. Um, right. It is a lot of times it's going to be like the little guys, like the Mark Limpkes or the Sid Breams that, that, that just find the magic. And then you're like, Oh, this guy normally doesn't do, you know, he just normally goes to work during the year, but all of a sudden he becomes a Superman, you know, yeah. unexpectedly, you know, seems like, yeah. I mean, the, the baseball playoffs are kind of a random number generator. And so, like you said, I mean, Mark Lemke, I think his career in the playoffs, you know, hit like, 380 or something like that and then you know in the regular season he was really pretty much bad offensively (laughs) he wasn't very good at all uh and but yeah so when you're talking about that small you know you play 162 regular season games then you play you know at most what uh at most like 20 uh playoff games you know pretty much anything can happen so like you said those guys yeah, Sid Bream, Mark Lemke, you know, for the for the Braves, you know, you could you know see somebody like Dansby Swanson or Jock Peterson, guys who haven't had great years. Travis Darno at catcher, mm-hmm. and you know the, that could those could be they could be your best player for a series. They could carry you. Uh, it it would not be the craziest thing that's happened. Yeah, but then again, Kinda happens every year for somebody. It just never seems to happen for the Braves anymore. Oh, yeah, for sure. And with like, you know, good, for instance, um, to use a football analogy, when you have a good um, quarterback that's a good manager of a game, you know, somebody like um, 
Peyton Manning, for instance, or or somebody that would just, you know, like if they know how to manage the game, they don't even need to throw the football that much. When it comes to like the playoffs, if you've got only five games, you know, best out of five games, if you've got the right pitching combination, I mean, you just throw one guy, two guy, then throw your second. Then if he's if your number one guy's feeling good again on the third game, you just knock him out. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that really, that can, it can definitely come down to that. If, if uh, pitching, if one of the rotations gets hot, you know, you just need a couple guys to, you know, to pop a couple homers or, you know, a couple, couple lucky ground balls even. And, and all of a sudden you got one or two runs and that's enough. Mm-hmm. All right, Jared. Well, I appreciate it. And I think that uh, we've got uh, the next few weeks, we'll have something to talk about again. If you're, uh, if you're going to be available, I know you got two kids going there. With uh, two new babies, anyways, in the house. Yes, good times. Yeah, if I can stay awake, uh, <laughs> if I can stay awake long enough, uh, we, we can do a baseball uh, playoff preview or maybe after yeah. the first round do a league LCS preview or something. Yeah, that'll be good. Like that'd that, be real good. Yeah. All right, Jared. Well, I appreciate it and hope you have a good one. Thanks, everybody, for joining uh, us you here. Too, Gene. All right, talk to you later.